In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. If you are like me and have grown up in a Christian home, you have probably known how to say the Lord's Prayer from before you can remember. It's often one of the first things that we teach our children, isn't it? And I've found throughout the years, and maybe you're like me too, that when I say it, I tend to say it by rote. And I all too often forget what I'm actually saying. So I'm not consciously praying sometimes those words because they flow so easily out of my mouth. Well, as a French major at a strongly Christian college, we were taught to say the Lord's Prayer together in French, sometimes during class or for devotionals on a trip. And for me, as an adult, then memorizing each word again and again and trying then in a foreign language to me uh, to say them and pray them, I found so much more meaning in what I was saying. I had to slow down, and when I prayed it aloud, I could savor each individual phrase. Though maybe you don't have time to learn it in a new language or are not inclined or able to, but let me read to you a translation that strives to use more contemporary terms and phrasing to contain those same precious ideas. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are, set the world right, do what's best, as above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and from the devil. And then here's the uplifting part. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. So looking at the content of that prayer, hearing it again, hopefully we hear that there are several petitions or asks of God, all within the context of trust, trust in his ultimate goodness and his total sovereignty over all that happens in our world. Praying for God's kingdom to come is like praying for a benevolent takeover of the world. It's like inviting the once and future King of Kings and Lord of Lords to put all wrongs to right today. We long for it in the world around us, especially during times like these, where every week it feels like there's a new terrorist attack uh, that we hear about on the news. Praying then the second petition for our daily bread recognizes that all good things come from God himself, even and especially the good thing of those basic necessities that we seem to be able to provide for ourselves. But praying for them, actually praying for them, even if they seem to be met already, what it does is it reminds us of the reality of our daily dependence upon God. Praying for forgiveness, forgiveness for ourselves and the ability to forgive others. This is also something that we need every day. Martin Luther elaborates on this petition so well that I'm going to pray his words. Do not look upon how good or how wicked we have been, but only upon the infinite compassion which thou hast bestowed upon us in Christ thy dear Son. Grant forgiveness also to those who have harmed or wronged us, as we forgive them from our hearts. 
They inflict the greatest injury upon themselves by arousing thy anger in their actions towards us. We are not helped by their ruin. We would much rather that they be saved with us. Praying then next for the God-given ability to resist temptation reminds us that God himself is the only one who can empower us by his grace to prevent us from acting upon our sinful thoughts and desires. Sometimes the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And sometimes, too, the spirit is unwilling, and the flesh is still weak. Acknowledging our weakness before our gracious Father creates the expectation that his power will be made perfect even in our weakness. And so in our passage for this morning, after first telling the disciples the basic content of what to pray, what should we pray to you, Lord God? And it's all within this context of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus then goes on to tell two stories. And the first story teaches us to pray with boldness. In the Middle East, um, I don't know if you know this, but hospitality was and is held as such a high cultural value that people take great pride in providing it, and they feel such immense shame when they cannot. And this is something that people take on not just as individuals or as families, but as whole communities. One of my favorite New Testament scholars, Kenneth Bailey, is known for having spent so many years as a missionary in the Middle East, decades even. During one period of time, he was staying in a small village for a while, And he and his wife were often invited over to the homes of others for dinner, of course, with hospitality being so important. And more than once, when they sat down to eat, they noticed that the cups and the plates and the bowls were exactly identical to the same cups and plates and bowls that they had at home. At first they thought it was a coincidence. But then, after a while, they learned that borrowing items for a big meal like that, as well as for the dishes, the cups and plates themselves, was assumed. It was something natural to do from neighbor to neighbor, and even all the way to the other side of the village. Their somewhat impoverished hosts, who did not have the nice dishes to impress them with, had arranged in advance by calling their own cook at home to borrow their set of dishes from their own house. They got to someone else's house and were eating off their own plates from home. I just marvel at that boldness, the boldness to ask, the boldness um, to plead for those things. And I marvel then, too, at the boldness of the host in Jesus' story who knocked so persistently on the door of his friend at midnight. So, too, for us, as we petition the Lord of the universe... He encourages us. He tells us to be bold in our asking. And you might think with me, well, why should I bother? God is so big and great, so awesome and holy. He's so far away from me. Does he really want me to ask? Or we might think, I don't need to actually ask God for what I think I need because he's all-knowing. If he already knows what I need, why should I bother him by asking? Or we might just feel as though it's too needy of us, as if dealing with him would be like dealing with another human being. 
How many of us know that with certain human beings in our lives, certain people, you only have so many asks before you have to start giving back? You can't be too needy. We don't want to be that person that seems to scream, I need, I need, I need, to someone else, scaring them out of relating to us because we're unable to relate to them as a mature person. Well, God is the only person in our life that we can approach in this way with our need. And he wants us to do this. God wants us to approach him like this, to be truly needy with him all the time. Our Heavenly Father, thank goodness, has unlimited time and patience with us. He desires to hear us. And here we hear Jesus encouraging us to be bold in our asking. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. That perhaps, like me, there is at least one prayer that you've been praying for years now. It might be for yourself or for a loved one. I can't tell you more about mine because it's the secret prayer of my heart. It's a prayer for healing for someone very close to me. And as I pray, my heart soars with hope whenever there's a new doctor or a period of remission. And then, inevitably, I'm devastated when the illness reclaims the one I love. Because of the pain of this, I went through a time period where I stopped praying this secret prayer of my heart. I felt so burnt out by the rejection. Every single disappointment felt like I was hearing another no from God. And I was afraid that that no would be his final answer. And so I stopped asking. But my heart did not stop wanting. A few months ago, I came across this particular passage in my devotions, and it was as though the words jumped off the page right to me, as if they were set in bold type. Jesus was speaking directly to me. Ask continually. Ask me. And I can say, I've begun asking again. The prayer has not yet been answered, but I feel encouraged now. I feel the invitation to keep boldly bringing my broken heart to the one who loves me most. In Gethsemane, the perfect asker was asking the perfect giver to take away the cup of suffering, the fate of the cross, and the separation from God's own presence. If our Father said no to Jesus in order to accomplish something so great as our salvation, isn't it possible that he might just say no to us for reasons that we cannot yet understand? At the cross there, God himself was allowing and even willing something that at its surface felt so wrong, so painful both for him, for God, for his beloved son, and for his confused and devastated disciples. And yet there, there in the midst of the darkness, 
God was working something so wonderful that no human being had yet been able to fully conceive of it. If in that most painful moment of human history and even God's own history, God was miraculously at work, isn't it possible that he is somehow at work in the midst of your own pain and your own suffering? So, will you hold out hope with me in God's goodness, even when we don't get what we want or what we feel we need? Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, we come to you once again, trusting that you are not tired of hearing from us, even if we have gotten tired of asking. We ask for those basic spiritual and physical things that we need every day. And we lift up to you once again those painfully unanswered prayers. Comfort us as we wait to hear from you. Though we might not see it yet, will you cause the things that pain us the most to somehow work together for our ultimate good? Let your will be done in our lives and in the lives of those we love and in our fallen and broken world. In Jesus' name, amen.